Go ahead. Tufted titmouse. <laughs> dick sickle or dick sissel. Not sure. I don't know which one it is either. All right. It looks like we're a little better. Go ahead again. Check. Check. All right. Good. I think we're good. Hello. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Hi, Angela. I'm good. How are you? Good. Looks like we're uh, we're doing another podcast. Another day at the office at the Flower Confessional. So let's get started. Um, today's episode, we are going to be talking about... Kindness. All right. And how to kill them with it. <laughs> wow. That's not completely true, but that's kind of how this all got started. This is a subject I think you have a lot of expertise on, so... Dan's going to kind of take the reins today. Well, he's going to take the reins for like five minutes until I mentally do my thing where I just dominate a conversation. That's that's perfect. As one does. So you did, like, you've got a really involved sheet of paper in front of you. I did some research. That's awesome. Just go for it, man. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to talk about kindness today. This all kind of started because I was telling you about how it's kind of one of my, I don't know if you'd say petty things or ways to get back at someone, but when someone mistreats me, I like being extra kind to them. Yeah. And you said that I should do a podcast on that, but it actually turned into more of a thing about like why it is actually good to be kind to each other. Yeah. I honestly really was looking forward to you doing this podcast, well, of us doing this podcast together. But I just feel like it takes a certain kind of person to be able to do that, to be able to access their calm when someone's being a shit to them. (laughs) And I don't have that as well as literally anyone. So I was excited to hear that you were down to talk about this stuff because I think this is something that people really need to learn about. Reacting to people's negativity when we dig into it, it's so much about the ego, and I feel like you've got this confidence about you that's like, you kind of know when someone's coming at you, that it's not about you. Yeah. And I also think there's this little tiny evil Dan inside of regular-sized good Dan that's like, I'm I'm going to fuck with you right now. So, yeah, go ahead. Tell me all, tell us all about this because I'm so stoked. You have a fucking, like, Nobel Prize for this. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right, so we've all heard of the golden rule, right? Treat others like you want to be treated, Delio. It's like the thing that spans across all religious and non-religious among us. Yeah. Um, in Christianity, it's love your neighbor as yourself. In Taoism, they say, blessed is he who prefers his brother before himself. In Buddhism, they say, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurt in. In Hinduism, it's do not do to others what you would cause pain to yourself. And in Islam, it's none of you believes until he wishes for his brother what he wishes for himself. And so on and so on. Yeah. So it's really one of those things that I feel like from a young age was instilled in us. Mm-hmm. Whether it's not, I mean, it's really not even a religious thing. Like, you've got all these religious texts that are, in one way or another, centered on that, whether we've gotten away from that or not over time. Mm-hmm. But it really is just like, I mean, it's just something that, like, you're told as a kid. Yeah, and we all kind of know that at our core, that that's what we're supposed to do. And it is interesting that it is in every major religious text and in so many different spiritual practices, but we lose sight of that so often. I was actually thinking about it today because I had I had an Uber driver named Alexander, and I feel like a lot of Alexanders come into my life, and they have significance. And I was talking to him about that, and I had this little prompt in my mind, what's in a name, like from Romeo and Juliet. I was thinking about how the Montagues and the Capulets, the only division with them was their name, And Shakespeare illustrated that really well, that there was murder and separation and these two people were not really allowed to be in love because of who they were associated with and their name and all that kind of stuff and how we as humans get so wrapped up in that, like, oh, well, I'm a this and you're a that. You're, You're 
beneath being treated as kindly as I would want to be treated because, I mean, look at you. And we create all of those structures so that we have a sense of superiority or something. And despite all of us really knowing this, we go off course so often. All the time. Like, I was just thinking about how it's such a vastly taught thing, especially from adults to children. Like, if you're a parent, you're saying it to your kid all the time. And being unkind results in things like timeouts. When we're putting that child in a timeout, we probably did 10 times the amount of unkind things in our day. Yeah, that's so, so true. Is it even beneficial in a world where resources seem scarce and we feel like we need to get what's ours and keep our own? And uh, Is kindness even something that's worth it? Because mm-hmm. you know, we act like it's not for sure. Yeah, especially in first world countries. I did research on health benefits, both physically and mentally, of kindness. And I stumbled across this website called Quiet Revolution. That's quietrev.com. They stated that doing nice things actually boosts your serotonin, which is responsible for our feelings of satisfaction and well-being. It also causes a helper's high, which is really similar to like a runner's high, or when you're working out and you get get the same endorphins flowing. Helper's high. Yep. Uh, They found that it eases anxiety. Kindness can kind of be meditative because you're looking in the face of something that may very well be undeserving of your kindness, like Mm -hmm. a negative action towards you, and you're deciding to let go of how you would react. Yeah. And pausing for a second to do something different that's out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. In my mind, it is a meditative thing, and it's, it's showing awareness, and it all kind of ties into that. Yeah, definitely. Interesting separation, though, between, and I think that a lot of people mistake this, and I know I have repeatedly, the difference between being kind and people-pleasing, and it really is so much about execution, intent. So if I'm doing something nice for you with the intent of you approving of me, even if it's not to try to get you to do anything for me, but I just want you to like me and I want you to approve of me, it has so much different emotional impact. That almost has a feeling of anxiety or pompousness, whereas just being kind to someone because you're choosing to be kind is such a different thing and has such a different outcome because it's not really about the outcome. It's about doing what you know is the right thing. Totally. Which can be really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Even for no matter how calm of a person you are. Uh, Some of the other things that it does is it can affect the chemical balance in your heart. So it releases oxytocin, which doctors have found to reduce blood pressure. I mean, you can kind of figure that out, though. You're like, like when you're in a state ready to get out of your car and yell at someone and punch them, like your your heart rate's elevated. Yeah. I I just think, and I'm I'm like, how do you fucking de-escalate from that? And you're like, I'm going to be kind. It's got to have practice because I feel a lot of times when I'm driving or like really frustrated, I just installed Mojave on the MacBook that we're using right this moment. And when I first restarted it, it was so fucking slow. It was moving at this glacial pace. I literally called this computer the C word and I slammed it and I was like, I need to walk away from this because I'm going to throw it and then there's going to be no more computer and there's going to be no more flower confessional podcast until I come up with $2,200 for a new MacBook Air. Uh, that could have been our first Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, I suppose it could. But it is interesting how... People who choose mindfulness, I noticed that in doing meditation and choosing to be mindful and recognizing emotions from sort of a detached state, there's such a marked difference in how your body responds when you're in traffic or something like that, and you're pissed and you want to just, like, key that person's car, (laughs) versus you find yourself getting irritated and you're like, "Mm, I'm sure they're trying their best. I have no idea what's been going on with them. It is a totally, it's like your brain allows you to let it go so much easier, and then you don't feel like you want to rear-end them and give them whiplash. See, and I feel like I'm pretty good at de-escalating from anger or rage, but 
that doesn't necessarily mean, like, sometimes I feel like it's almost fake it till you make it type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, the story I was telling you was that at my daughter's preschool last year, there was this woman that was on my tail for, like, a block, and she was riding her horn, and then I turned into the lot to park to drop Ella off at school, and then found out that that person doing that was also a parent at the school. So when she got out of the car... I made eye contact with her. I smiled. I opened the door for her and her child. Oh my god! So that's that's the like little evil Dan. Yeah. But I guess that is still technically better than other things I could have done. But that was definitely like a fake it till you make it. That wasn't me like being kind, being like I bet she was having a bad day. That was me just I'm gonna make you feel stupid. The gesture was kind. You. Yeah, the gesture was kind. It had an intent to god that's fucking beautiful that's what i wanted you to talk about that's what i hoped you were going to talk about i love that example that's perfect and sometimes out of the goodness of your heart let's say 99 percent of the time that's what you want to do but there are those times where it's just like you're just being an insufferable bitch and i'm going to be so nice to you and you're going to have to face me i'm not gonna lie that's one of my favorite yeah, it's so... Even when I'm mad at you, I'm using kindness in a certain way. Of... Yeah, it reminds me, I used to work in the front end of a salon, and it was a very high-end salon, and the front desk staff always just had their asses handed to them because the salon was so popular, clientele was so wealthy, and I've talked to you about this before, we've discussed this, I feel like... The more comfortable people are, the more they have a tendency to make up problems. So you're going there and getting a high-end luxury service and somebody fucking sneezed wrong. And so you want your $350 back for your haircut or whatever. And we all sat around one day and gave our favorite things to say to irate clients. And somebody said... Ma'am, I need you to calm down, which is just like, fuck. Like when someone calls you ma'am, first of all, just never call, just never call a woman ma'am. That's just don't do it. So ma'am, I need you to calm down. Somebody else said, I'm trying to help you. And my personal favorite, my contribution was... Let them freak the fuck out and do their thing and fix their problem. And then when they're about to leave, say, have a better day. (laughs) I love that one. Because there's just no retort. Like, have a better day. Like, you were being a total asshole. Hope things get better for you. And what do you say to that? Somebody asked you to have a nice day. So you can't really retort to that. That's right. And they're speaking into the fact that you were being an insufferable cow. So if you say anything you're going to look even more dumb. That's my tiny evil Dan. But that's literally, I feel like the only circumstance that I've really been able to do it is when I was working in customer service because it's like, okay, if I'm a dick back to you, I'm going to lose my job. So I have to find a way to stick it to you in a way that doesn't get me fired but lets you know that I hate you. (laughs) Honestly, I just think it has that much more of an impact. It does. You yell back at someone, they're just going to yell back and then that's just going to be... They're going to feel in there right about what they were doing, but you you drop that sarcastic kindness on them, that's going to knock them back a little bit. Yeah, it is. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It is. It is. I bet it is fun. So there's this video that I really love, and this is going to all tie together, so we're, ride, this, ride this out with me. He's spinning you a rich tapestry of Dan wisdom. But have you ever heard of Nadia Boltzweber? No. She's like this badass pastor with tattoos everywhere, and she just legitimately loves and cares about everyone. I can't remember where she has her church, but she's just a badass. But she has this video called Forgive Assholes. Okay. And she's she's got some pretty good stuff in there. But the idea of it is that when someone mistreats us, we're connected to them. They basically connect us to them as soon as they've mistreated us. But Mm. it's not like a good connection. They've got us chained to them. Mm -hmm. So the act of 
forgiveness or kindness in the face of that is us not letting them off the hook. Because honestly, like, no one should be expected to forgive if they're not ready or don't want to. Like, that's something for someone to decide if they ever are going to and when they're ready. Because honestly, there's a lot of horrible things done to people. Yeah, and I'm glad that you said that because, you know, when I went through, like, a huge trauma, the first thing they really tell you in a religious therapeutic environment is like, well, you have to forgive. And it's like, I don't want to. That doesn't feel safe right now. Yeah, exactly. So when you do this forgiveness, it's not, or kindness, it's not letting someone off the hook for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's deciding to take out whatever tool and cut the chain from you mm-hmm. to basically release you from that grasp that a person has on you. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a difference in that kind of forgiveness because I feel like religiously so much forgiveness really is like, all right, that person's got a clean slate. It's like as if it never happened. Like they're good with me again. Like you, you can legitimately forgive someone for that purpose and need them to be as far away from me as possible and yeah. never talk to you again. Like, people get that mixed up so much. Yeah, and I think with Christians, with Christianity, just the character of Jesus, a lot of people really portray him as a pacifist that kind of let people shit all over him until he was tortured and killed. And then there are other people who want to morph his persona into whatever benefits their political Mm -hmm. agenda or whatever. Something that... I don't know if it's taken out of context or what, but I always really wrestled with the, you know, if someone slaps you on one cheek, give them the other cheek to slap. And if they take your coat, give them your shirt. That really butts up against our human nature. And I really wonder what that means or if it was translated poorly or taken out of context because I really don't think Jesus wanted us to be doormats. I don't think God wants us to be doormats that are letting destructive people run around and fuck with people. Right. But at the same time, there's so much about forgiveness. And you're right. There's such a difference between forgiveness and tolerating shitty behavior just like there's a difference between kindness and codependency or Mm -hmm. kindness and approval seeking and so it's just a such a tangled mess and a lot of those things are used to try to control people in certain groups yeah and I think that that kind of say forgiveness in quotations because I don't know what else to call it can sometimes be when not letting someone else off the hook, it can just be an act of kindness to yourself. You're saying that you don't want to be, like you don't want that chain anymore. Mm -hmm. If you feel that. And obviously it's person to person and situation to situation. But I feel like in order to be, even be kind to others, we have to be kind to ourselves. And I think there are a lot of people out there that are able to show more love to others than they even are to themselves. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. I think that's a really sad thing because obviously you and I both agree on this, but everyone is so valuable and Mm -hmm. worthy of love. We talk about that kind of stuff all the time. And I think that that also, once again, ties back into mindfulness and awareness because you're not only being awareness of the value of others, but the value of yourself. And we've got all these texts and things in the golden rule that talk about treating others like we want to be treated but I think it's also easy to lose treating yourself like you treat others. Yeah, I had a friend, a pagan friend, say to me, you know, the the golden rule is do unto others as you would have done unto you. And she gave me a counter to that. She said, do unto yourself how you would do unto others. And I think sometimes for people, especially with abuse histories and things like that, that's a really important thing to hear because if you grew up loving yourself or valuing yourself or feeling safe and secure, obviously it's going to come easier for you to be kind to others in reference to, oh, I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me. But when you're in a toxic or abusive dynamic and somebody is mistreating you and somebody says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. No, that needs to not happen. Mm -hmm. 
that person deserves a level of compassion and understanding, but they also need boundaries. And so if that person is treating you in a way that you wouldn't treat another person, then that rule doesn't necessarily apply. And you can still be kind to them, but you have to get the toxicity out of your life. Because I think the more you tolerate a person like that, the more it poisons your other interpersonal relationships. When people are being abused and mistreated, they tend to either isolate or withdraw from good people in their life, or they start to mistreat them. I know that I definitely have. We really, really simplify the idea of treating other people with quote-unquote respect. Sometimes it's really not respectful to let somebody slide. Yeah. And even if you know that confronting that person is going to piss them off, you've hopefully planted a seed for them to self-reflect. Maybe not in the moment, but in the future. Yeah. And that's really hard for us to... I don't know if it's as human beings or as Americans, but it's really hard for us to be like, okay, I'm going to tell this person this thing now, or I'm going to do this thing now. And it might not have an immediate payoff, but I did the right thing. And down the road, they're yeah. going to learn this. You might never see the payoff, but the next person in their life might. Yeah. In a that scenario. Same thing. Do you remember when I was telling you that story? So I was dating this guy who was doing some shitty things and we stopped seeing each other and then he showed up on tinder and he showed up was looking at my instagram story so this guy was doing stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing i checked up on him and he's married and i contacted his wife and i just said hey heads up this is what's happening and she came back with a response and she said I don't know what you're trying to do, but he's a good man and he would never do that. And we're married for life, no take backs. And I stopped and thought about it. I've been in that scenario before. And so much of me wanted to like smack her upside the head and be like, you're being a fucking idiot. But at the same time, she obviously wasn't listening to me, even though I had proof and she just wasn't ready to hear it. And so all I said was, well, I hope it works out, but I wanted to tell you this because I thought you had the right to know. And I hope that you have a great marriage, but if you ever need anything, reach out to me. And I don't think that was particularly kind to him, but I don't think it was unkind. No. I didn't slash his tires. Right. I just told on him. Because he was doing the yeah. wrong shit. Like, it's not your problem that he is mistreating someone else. Right. And you're helping that person that's being mistreated. I could have decided to not say anything to either of them, but it just didn't feel right to not tell her. Yeah. And so I was hoping to plant a seed of saying, hey, maybe you're not ready to accept this now, but five years from now when he get some other woman pregnant or some bad shit happens and you're reflecting upon this, hopefully me and I don't know, maybe there might be a couple of other women will come forward and validate what you're in denial about yeah. now so that later you feel substantiated. Cause that was a big thing for me coming out of a toxic relationship was I was in denial, denial, denial and I was so indoctrinated by the church with like, oh, we have to stay together. And, you know, we made a, we made a commitment. It's for life. No take backs. The exact same narrative she had. And the nobody's perfect and you should forgive. And then when I finally reached a point where it was intolerable to keep living that way, I was looking back several years and going, oh, this person told me he's abusive. This person said he did this. This person did this. And I didn't listen to any of them at the time. Because you're probably thinking, like, these random people coming in trying to just mess with your relationship, cause drama. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. All that stuff. And when you're in a relationship like that, you can, you can really do a lot of mental gymnastics to justify staying with them because you love them and you want to believe they're a good person. But... 
I am so thankful for those people because it must have been really hard. A lot of them probably mm-hmm. knew, okay, I'm going to tell her this and I'm going to lose her as a friend for a while, maybe forever, whatever. But that to me is kindness. What those people did is they risked losing me, hopefully for the benefit of me waking up and realizing what was going on, which took a while. And if they hadn't done that, and there were so many people who didn't, who knows how much longer it could have gone on, or who knows how many times I would have been back because I doubted my perception of things. Yeah. There's a huge difference between somebody continually giving people chances when they don't deserve them. There's a such thing as too many chances. And being kind to somebody who's maybe like fucking up a little bit. There are people in our lives that fuck up. And we're like, oh, you're fucking up. But I know that you're a good person and you, you're kind of struggling to find your way. And then like, you're actively ruining my life because you don't like yourself. And And they could be doing similar things and it's still very different. It is so about intent. Yeah. When you start to really hone in on kindness and when you start to examine people versus react to them, they start to have a totally new persona in your head, I guess. Because you can look at them and you can be like, ooh, I see you're hurting and you're being reactionary versus, ooh, you're in a bad place and I'm a threat to you. So you're going to try to take me down with you. And that second person is a person you want as far away from you as possible. The first person you can hopefully be kind to and have it kind of lift them up and snap them out of it because they're reacting to feeling some negative way. The other person has adopted it as their identity and you're a threat to the comfort of that identity. Right. So they want you to also be as miserable as they are. I'm glad you brought that up because even with both of those people, whether it's the one that intentionally is causing harm or the one that is just in a place of hurt and they're causing harm which both might be situations you need to get away from but I, mm-hmm. I do believe that one is more likely to come out of that and the other one is not yeah I think that that act of kindness can be simply once again not letting either of them off the hook but just not becoming who they are yeah and sometimes that's really hard especially when you're really similar to somebody You can feel if somebody has the ability to kind of drag you down after a while. And you can tell when somebody is... Because nobody nobody is perfect. But you can tell when somebody is just having a hard time and that you can emotionally distance yourself from it versus when you start to get absorbed in it and wonder what you can do to make them change. That's a huge red flag that boundaries need to happen. And I think... Earlier generations used to know that. I think we're losing the art of that, or maybe we lost it for a while and we're getting it back. I'm really hopeful for the future. I really feel like our children's generation, they're going to do it so much better than we do. But we don't really have as good of a capacity for conflict resolution as we did before social media and before the internet you used to have to face people Mm -hmm. and you used to have to resolve conflict because you lived communally and you had to see that person and now you can verbally spar with somebody and you never have to even listen to their reaction you can just block them before they have a chance to respond so we find ourselves in a lot of surface relationships and then our deeper relationships we seem to really struggle with once they're not perfect or once they're not what we want them to be, we have a tendency to cut them out or get into these really codependent relationships where we want to fix what's quote-unquote wrong with them so that we can go back to possessing the image of them that we've cultivated in our minds. Yeah. I do believe that it's person to person and it's a lot about being aware of what's most healthy for you because it it might be the healthiest thing for you to immediately cut that person out. Mm -hmm. But I do think that certain people have strengths of, it might only be for a time or it might just be a strength they have all the time of continuing the conversation and seeing a change in a person if it's not unhealthy for them. 
Because I know that, I mean, there's things I did as a teenager if someone just cut me out and then never talked to me again. Like, I'd hate to just be last identified as that. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. And I feel like in our lifetime, we become so many different people. At least I do. I think of my old life and how I used to respond to stuff and... But also a lot of that took self-reflection and accountability and intentional growth. And I do think that there's a, there's a sizable amount of the population that doesn't have the ability to do that. They just have the ability to project outward. And so if they have something going on in their life, they'll just adopt that in someone else. What was it that you said earlier that when somebody has the power to insult you or to be unkind to you that you're tied to them oh yeah Yeah. and the more that I learn about ego and the more I learn that we project stuff and we don't realize it like I would criticize you for whatever and then if I really sat down and thought about it that same thing is a trait of mine Sure. Something I don't like about myself. I don't want to look at it. But I want you to fix that that's applicable to you. And sometimes it's not even applicable. Sometimes it's not even true. I've had people accuse me of stuff I would never do. And they were doing that because they were doing it. Sure. Which is a really fucking bizarre way that our brains work to preserve our status quo. That's so crazy. Our brains are programmed to help us survive, and they're not programmed to help us thrive at all. So on one hand, we look at things like public speaking as a fear equal to death because we don't want to socially isolate because evolutionarily speaking, if you embarrassed or humiliated yourself, you were ostracized from the pack and you couldn't live. But then the other side of the stupid-ass brains that we were given is that If somebody confronts you on an issue that you're having, or if you have an issue internally with yourself that you can't reconcile, you're just going to isolate. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) There's all sorts of stuff, too, about, like, scientists studying. Now, once again, this isn't giving a free pass to anyone who's just a dick politically or anything like that, but that fight-or-flight response that we've had ever since, like, way in the beginning of humanity that was actually used for physical survival mm-hmm. is, like, for some people now why it's just an... Like, first of all, social media is not the place to argue about kinds of stuff, but you watch people just repeat the same thing over and over, like, as if... Sorry, but, like, as if they're stupid. Right. And it's... Sometimes it can be that... Like, you know, when you feel defensive and it just... You're, you're doing anything to try to fight back or get out of it. There's, like, this flood of chemicals that literally just yeah. makes you mindless in an attempt to get you to survive, but it's not that same physical survival we had when we were, like, hunting for food back in the day. Yeah, now, now it's... Now it's us, like, spewing out a bunch of stuff yeah. that just serves no positive purpose. Now it's, I'm a six-year-old lady. I'm pissed that you won't take my expired coupon. <laughs> And yeah. I'm, I'm calling you a spoiled millennial yeah. or whatever, whatever exactly. the fuck it is. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting that you said that when that survival mode is activated, that we're not really able to think clearly, which makes a lot of sense why people will sit there and politically spar with each other. And when you really stop and think about it, once you've calmed down, even if you are really committed to your beliefs, if you sit down and think about it, the way that you are acting in that moment is not going to fucking convince anybody. In fact, it's going to make somebody less likely to see why you think the way you think or why you feel the way you feel. Right. Yeah, I'm thankful for the people that (laughs) back when I was, however I was, politically or spiritually or anything, like I'm glad for the people that were willing to be a bridge and stick that out when I was probably spewing a bunch of things that annoy me to have said to me now. Yeah. And they were willing to talk me through that and had patience with me and brought me to where I am today. Yeah. With political garbage and with the way that we've been raised, 
I think of the people who have really reformed my opinions about that, and it's always been people who were pretty patient and kind. Even if 20 times before that, somebody told me the same words, but they said it angrily or they said it defensively. And once I got it, I got it. So it was like second nature to me. And then someone else would come along and say the things that I used to say or the things I used to do. And I found myself really snapping to judgment. Like, this is common knowledge. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) And then I had to stop and be like, oh, yeah. Remember when you were a kid? I was talking about that when I was a kid. Uh, My parents were really racist. And they're not low-key racist. They're high-key racist. And I wasn't racist. Or I didn't believe what they believed. I think every white person's racist. But I didn't believe in the things that they believed in. But when I was a kid, I used to say terms like reverse racism. Like, if somebody was criticizing me and using my race in that, it was, oh, you're being reverse racist to me. And somebody was like, that's not a thing. And I was like, whatever, sure it is. And I heard reverse racism's not a thing. I heard that countless times. It wasn't until somebody really sat me down and was like, listen, I understand you might feel that way, but that's not a thing, and here's why. But I was like, oh, okay. And so not only did that teach me in that moment, it also gave me a big lesson on how to get people to see my point of view or how to influence their decisions or thoughts or ideas effectively, like without attacking them and without looking at them like you're a bad person or you're stupid was a really good lesson. And we're just not taught that. We're not taught that in school. We're not really taught that a lot in family structures. When I was growing up, IQ was so important and intelligence, Mm -hmm. like book smarts were so important. And now we're coming into this age where we're talking about emotional intelligence. And as much as we're becoming aware that that's an important thing, we still suck so bad at it as a society. Yeah. And that's been so undervalued over all the years, but I really feel like it's taking a turn. I feel like everyone collectively is kind of taking a turn despite the political climate and things we've got going on. There's Mm -hmm. kind of this, like, it feels like there's something around the corner. I feel that. I feel that, too. There is a kind of atmosphere of things are on the upswing, but things have been pretty dark for a while, and we kind of slid into it and didn't realize it. Yeah. I think we were a bunch of kids that were handed a candy dish. I was like, hey, you can get a hold of anybody anytime you want. You can say whatever you want. It's on the internet. You can say anything to the world. It's just like, just eat all the fucking gobstoppers, man. <laughs> yeah. And then you're on the floor and you like have abdominal pains and you're like, what happened? It's like, well, you shouldn't have eaten all the candy. Just like the whole bait of Satan, you know, oh, I know you want this. Isn't this great? And then you're like, yeah, I'll take that. And then you take it and then you're like, oh, God, shouldn't have taken that. <laughs> yep. Social media was the old bait and switch. Hey, you can contact anyone you want, but you're going to be lonelier than ever. (laughs) More connected, but more lonely. Yeah. Yep, and studies have shown that for sure. Because when you don't have to look somebody in the eye, and you don't have to be kind or polite to them, you tend to be more of an asshole. And it's amazing how hard it is to look someone in the eyes. I mean, you were even just talking about how the Midwest can be so different from... Were you talking about the East Coast? I can't remember. But I can't remember. You were talking about when you made contact with males and they would... Yeah. Yep. It's so funny. I reference relationships and attraction a lot, like sexual and romantic attraction a lot in the podcast. But yeah, Midwestern guys won't look at me. They won't look me in the eye. And if they're checking me out and I look at them, they will turn away out of timidity because they don't want to appear predatory and because there's a huge humility culture here in the Midwest but on the East Coast I will see a guy looking at me and I'll make eye contact with him and he'll maintain his gaze and I don't necessarily think one group is more confident than the other 
I just think it's a cultural conditioning that in the Midwest or in Minnesota, looking a woman in the eye, maybe it's a challenge or maybe it feels wrong to men here in some way. Do you think they feel predatory? I don't know. It's worth asking. I've asked several guys about it, and obviously the guys I hang around with are good guys. They're nice guys that I would ask. A lot of them talk about how social media impacted their ability to talk to women because you used to have to strike up a conversation with a woman, and now you swipe on them or you slide into their DMs, and we have a lot of... I don't want to use this term... Uh, derogatorily but we have a lot of rhetoric going on like don't tell a woman to smile don't look at her don't follow her don't do these things and yes those things are valid but where is the line between I'd like to talk to you because I think you're very pretty and I'd like to get to know you better versus I'm trying to intimidate you and objectify you when you're just trying to mind your own business how did people used to meet each other before social media? And I think that's really, really impacted Midwesterners because we are obsessively polite. We are very humble. And I think, yeah, when you go to the East Coast or the West Coast, the West Coast is very narcissistic. And so, oh, of course. I mean, yeah, babe, I just did you a favor by looking at you or talking to you. Or sometimes it's, I was looking at you just because I was staring into space and you're looking back at me and, ooh, now I'm getting validation. I don't know what it is, but I definitely noticed on the East Coast men are not afraid of women. They very much liked engaging in eye contact. I got approached a lot. And it didn't feel gross, but it... Once again, that can be person to person because it's... Yeah. It's a, like... Approaching someone isn't the gross thing. It's not being able to accept the no. Yeah. And I think that women and femmes are in a place right now where we're constantly on the defensive. And I don't fault anybody for that because think about it. If you're a woman or or you're femme identified and somebody does come up and talk to you and you say no... And they proceed anyway, and you try to tell somebody or try to get somebody to help you, nobody believes you. So why wouldn't I just cut that off at the source? Not have to even deal with it. And then not have to deal with it. Well, the consequence of that, unfortunately, is being very isolated. So the people that do tend to come up and engage with you have learned to be very charming and cunning and conniving, and they're able to kind of snake their way in and men who are more considerate and more respectful and want to keep you safe are less likely to speak to you because they don't want to be that guy that makes you uncomfortable and if they do kind of muster up the courage they know that they're going up to somebody that is reluctant and fearful of being potentially preyed upon it's a very sickening kind of climate to be in on both sides if I was a guy going up and talking to a woman would be really difficult because of that reason because oh my gosh I want to respect you I want to respect your space I understand and sympathize with the fact that you get treated like shit all the time but also how do I talk to you yeah if I don't have your Facebook where if you don't like me, you can block me and I'll figure out the rejection that way. It has morphed into that. It went from men, you need to be able to figure out how to accept the word no into you didn't accept the word no, you went ahead and did it anyway. And then I tried to hold you accountable to that and everybody told me boys will be boys. That's really where we're getting hung up on that. That can fall into bad ego stuff too, even from the ones that appear nice, because I think that it can be easy for those types of guys to be so scared of hearing the no, even mm-hmm. if they will accept it, that mm-hmm. they take it as like an ego hit, like, oh, now, like I was one of the bad ones. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I mean, that's some sort of toxic yeah. personality trait at the same time, even if I, at face value, it might seem yeah. like someone that could accept the no. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think really not quote-unquote nice guys, but really actually nice guys, when they hear that no, sometimes it is a an indicator to them, I did it wrong, sure. so I can't do it again. Right. I think that's a lot smaller population than we're dealing with. I think we're dealing with a lot of polarity with with men, and obviously men have a huge range of personalities and intent and all that kind of stuff, approach. But being kind, inserting that narrative into that, women have been taught, be nice, be nice, be nice. And so a lot of times they don't advocate for themselves and then something bad happens and someone says, well, you should have said no. You should have stood up for yourself. You should have screamed. You should have done this. You should have done that. Well, then they start doing that and then they're called a bitch. Yeah. So you start to really own bitch because bitch protects you. Yeah. And it counters how you were groomed sort of to be victimized or to be seen as weak. And niceness, kindness is not weak. We're all sort of having to gradually relearn that. And with men, I think for the longest time it was saving someone or helping someone or coming to the rescue or doing everything for someone as if they were helpless. Those things were nice. Well, that's being turned on its head now. And it's like, no, I don't want you to save me. I don't need you to do everything for me. I don't need you to take pity on me, and I don't want you to treat me like a baby. And so they're trying to learn how to be kind in this climate as well. And it's causing a lot of division, but I think the more conversations that we have about that, the better off we're going to be. We need to stop having the conversations online and we need to start having them in person. Or we need to have the conversations online and structure them in an intentional way where everybody involved is being a fucking adult. <laughs> Which, good good luck with that. Good fucking luck with that. Well, um, do you want to talk about your coffee shop experiences? I mean, so <laughs> that's that's evil, Dan. But being nice again. I mean, I had. I feel like we could do a whole hour of regular sized good Dan being sort of marionetted by <laughs> tiny evil Dan inside of the context of customer service. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite. I don't want to say that's my favorite Dan. It's a good Dan. It's though. a good Dan like a good Dan to hear about I would love to see that Dan in real life I don't think I've ever seen anybody fuck with you but I'd kind of like to see it and I'd like (laughs) (laughs) just for the pure takedown factor yeah that eye contact that Mm -hmm. smile and that look that says have a better day yeah (laughs) oh god Yeah, so you've worked in a couple different coffee shops. Yeah. High-end clientele, again. And obviously you can't pop off because you're going to lose your job. So do you have any notable experiences inside of that environment? I feel like it's always kind of the same. It goes the same way. It's like opening the door for that person. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll get the person screaming at you over the espresso machine as you're just focusing on making their drink. And for me, I just let them do their thing, which honestly, when someone's screaming at me, Mm -hmm. I think they're so stupid and insecure at that moment. So I just, I mean, it really is like, here's your latte, have a nice day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you take the ego out of it, again, I think a lot of us have been in situations like that. You can tell when somebody's taking it really personally. I have never had an experience in customer service where I was so insulted or something by something a customer said that I cried. I've seen, I've managed stores and I've seen my employees cry because a customer was mad at them and that made me really sad for them. I've never had that experience. I've gotten very, very pissed at a customer 
and snapped at them or gone in the back and been like, I'm going to fucking kill that person if I ever see them again. But getting to a place where you just let them freak out is very interesting because I think once they de-escalate, once they're in their car or whatever, they're like, oh my God, I was acting so stupid. And I've had situations like that where I've stayed calm and the next customer or a coworker or whatever is like, I'm so sorry that happened. And it's interesting because the way I responded was like, it wasn't about me. That was about them. And that's the key to kindness in situations like that. When somebody's being unreasonable, there's that expression, you can't reason with the unreasonable. So if you kind of just let them go and just let them mentally unravel, they sort of reveal themselves. And it's not about fighting against them. And it's not even about being kind to them. It's sort of holding your integrity in that moment and understanding that their shit is not about you. It never is. Yeah. Also... In my years in retail, and especially in cosmetic retail, so I'm working in the beauty industry, and that's all about emotion. It's all about how you feel. It was interesting to me how many people seemed to come in, and they'd come into a retail environment like that, I'm convinced, just to treat somebody like shit. Like, I feel powerless. Where can I go and treat somebody like my emotional whipping boy and they can't fight back? I know. I'll go to Macy's. And I saw it many times and that taught me so much about that sort of dynamic. Or psychologically, there were times people would be in a makeup chair and they'd be like, I hate it, I hate it. And you'd kind of spin them around and kind of touch their face a little bit, and they, oh, much better, thank you. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to you. (laughs) They just wanted to feel in control. They wanted to feel power, and they didn't like themselves. And instead of, I don't want to say instead of trying to improve themselves, but instead of trying to accept themselves and love themselves, they were projecting their self-hatred outward to me. I was responsible for fixing it. And if I couldn't fix it, I must not know how to do my job. And so sometimes I would just fuss over them a little bit and it would make all that impact of like, oh, okay, yes, much better. And I'm like, I did nothing. Yeah. I feel like for some reason that's a strength for me. Like I can very easily take people's anger or rage or sadness. Like I feel like I accept projections well from people like that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make me feel like any sort of doormat. But... Mm -hmm. I just feel like when those people do that, like, I think of it, A, sometimes I'll make up a fake story for them. Like, I'll, I'll be, like, I don't know if they just got cheated on by their spouse. I don't know yeah. if they just lost their job. Like, and that just works for me. That's not for everyone. But apparently that's my strength in life because it definitely isn't handiwork around the house. Oh, God. It does not come naturally. It was absolutely a skill that I had to learn. And I don't know if it's your background or if that's just who you are as a person but I had parents who were just ready to throw down at any second and I think I adopted that where if somebody insulted you or disrespected you it was your responsibility you had to stand up to them and you had to insist that people don't fuck with you it took me a long long time of angrily responding to other people to understand what sounds like came pretty naturally to you. But on the flip side, like what you're talking about, kind of moving away from or whatever, I feel like isn't a bad trait either because I know that you wouldn't let anyone fuck with someone you care about. Like Mm -hmm. you would stand up with that fiery, like that is a positive trait, you know? Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Like if someone was being harassed on a bus or something like that, I'm the passenger you want on the bus. Yes. And I think that is true. I never thought of it that way. I always thought of it as something I had to correct. Thanks, Dan. Wow. (laughs) Sometimes, Angela, when you're a stone-cold bitch, it totally works out to your advantage. Good for you. In those instances, I suppose, it is true. But in so many other scenarios, there's such a difference between 
responding to a broken person mm -hmm. and reacting to a fucked up situation. Yeah. When you react to a fucked up situation, you take the personhood out of it. You remove yourself as a person and you become just an ego and you remove that person's personhood and they just become a threat or they become a thing or a negative idea. And so when we personalize people, when we make people people, and we don't have pristine expectations of them, but at the same time we have the boundaries to be like, hey, you can't just go around shitting on everybody. God, that's so hard. But once we can do that, it does put things in different perspective. It allows really petty, unnecessary things to roll up our back and we can kind of play with it like a game, just like you were saying. It also challenges us to figure out in each scenario, okay, are you doing something shitty or are you a genuinely unsafe person that needs to get away from me? What do you think the line is? What's an indicator to you between, oh, okay, I see that you're doing some shitty stuff versus, ooh, I think maybe you're a shitty person. Or at least you're destructive enough I need you to get away from me. Yeah. I mean, it's hard if it's someone that comes in that you don't know. But I feel like if you see that they really harm other people around them, mm -hmm. that you're dealing with someone that is just that shitty person. And that's not to say that they can't change. And maybe you're the person that can help them and everyone else needs to get away from them. Or maybe you need to be the one that gets away from them. I don't know. But it is hard because it's person to person. And sometimes you don't know until the situation's happening. Yep. Sometimes you don't know until you've been really fucked over. Mm -hmm. And then other times you know you're going to get fucked over and you want to give the person a chance. And they prove you right. That's a thing that happens in my life all the time. I'm like, ooh, I feel like you're shitty. And then I'm like, but what if I'm just being hypervigilant? And then they're shitty and I'm like, mm, yeah, I knew you were shitty and I didn't listen to myself. And Which once again is so hard because like we said earlier, sometimes the same actions can have such a different intent behind them. But mm -hmm. they're literally the same act. Mm -hmm. And that can be hard sometimes. Yep, totally. Well, that was really insightful. I loved everything that you had to say. So what do you think about us following up with this red pill, X pill experiment for next week? Yeah, we should do that. That'd be All great. right. Yeah. So I think next time we're going to do the X pill experiment. It's going to be real gnarly. Dan and I are super skeptical. Still stoked on it. So we're going to follow up with that. We want to thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at the Flower Confessional, all one word. Dan, you started a Facebook page? Yeah. I'm not on Facebook. So. Yeah, so you can also find us on Facebook now. You can just search the Flower Confessional and you'll find it. Uh, you can also follow both of us on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I am at Dan Nofi, D-A-N. N-O-E-T-H-E. And I am Angela Morris Makeup, all one word. And is there like other stuff going on that we need to plug? We have, okay, so I am kind of shitty at layering audio during editing, but our friend Michelle made us a really beautiful intro music, which I'm going to hang out with her and figure out how to do it. So her name is Michelle Lyshu. She has a podcast called Note for Note that you should definitely subscribe and listen to. Dan is hopefully going to be on that podcast soon. I've been on the podcast. It talks about uh, albums that changed people's lives. Super cool subject matter, especially for people who love music. She is also in a band called Colorcaster, which you can find on essentially any social media I think that's yeah. it. Are we forgetting anybody? I don't think okay, so. so. Oh, I referenced earlier in the podcast the YouTube video that was called Forgive Assholes, and I think you all should watch it and then let us know what you think. On Contact us on Instagram or Facebook. So it's called Forgive Assholes, and it's by Nadia Boltz Weber, and her last name is spelled B-O-L-Z, and then it's dash W-E-B-E-R. 
Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us, review us, give us five stars. Tell us what you think. If we suck, let us know somewhere else besides Apple podcast reviews. Cause <laughs> I'm really trying to get those to be awesome. And if you have any great ideas for upcoming podcasts, we would love to hear them. So get a hold of us. And in the meantime, thank you so much again for listening and we will see you next week.